Hello, Soul Family. I'm your host, Sal Buller, and welcome to Awaken with Sal, a global podcast, your vibrational connection for the body, mind, and spirit, devoted to spiritual awakening, consciousness expansion, sacred empowerment, energy healing, and much, much more. So honored to be here with all you divine beings today. Before we dive in, remember to head over to saltheawakener.com for a free meditation download and share your email to receive my new ebook and stay connected for future offerings and monthly interactive virtual community gatherings available to you all free of charge. Our guest today is Paulette Thomason, who is a counselor, consultant, and the founder of Akara, a private counseling practice in West Vancouver, BC, Canada. She is an internationally recognized expert, a teacher, consultant, speaker, and award recipient in the fields of trauma and addictions. She has a master's in counseling psychology and is a registered nurse and registered clinical counselor. She writes on medium.com and publishes a monthly newsletter. She decided to bring her expertise in dealing with sexuality to the public and wrote a book on the topic. She now sees clients part-time and writes for children about loneliness and the importance of speaking their truth. Welcome, Paulette. How are you? I'm very well, Sal. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, Good to pleasure. see you again. Pleasure, pleasure bringing you back on again. I know that we had you um, in season one, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's plenty of people uh, that want to hear what Paulette has to share. And um, I know that you, you, as much as you were a registered nurse, you had done a ton of work on trauma and, of course, the seven rights of children. Can you just uh, touch on that for a moment? Yes, the seven rights of the child. It's always been kind of a foundation for me. I learned this from my psychodrama trainer, Dorothy Satin, and she's the one that developed the seven rights of the child. And, you know, Virginia Satir had had the rights of of the child and listed them all out. But the thing that Dorothy did was she added to them. She said, there is an expectation that children have, that they have rights, but children also come into this world with an expectation that they will be met. And we, the trauma happens in these three, in these seven areas. And so when all my clients, we kind of, at some point in their, in their work, we go back to these rights and we work with them to help get over the trauma that has happened. So I've, uh, and, and Dorothy was one of the best psychodramatists that I've ever met. And so her training was always uh, the same. So now that it's mainly on Zoom, well, only on Zoom, it's kind of difficult to really do the psychodrama over Zoom because in psychodrama, you need to be with your client all the time. <laughs> you have to be there to guide them. And um, so I do them mainly uh, through talk therapy rather than I try and get them grounded and 
but most of the time now it's just I tell them about the seven rights and then we kind of work on them. But it works much better if you're doing the psychodrama with them at the same time. So for some of the listeners out there that are probably wondering, what is psychodrama? Psychodrama is, um, it's like action therapy. So what you do is you use, you, we use props, we use, uh, and so what you do is you take uh, the experience and you put it out with props and you, so you've got it set up. It's like a, it's like a, a theater. Okay. It's almost like a theater thing. And then what you do is you have them choose someone to role play them, choose someone to role play the other characters that are in this particular drama. And then you have the client go in and out. And so when they're standing out and looking at it, it breaks denial. It's one of the best things in the world to break denial. Wow. Because you stand out and you see yourself and you have distance. And um, in fact, a client yesterday, actually it was this morning, not yesterday, yeah. was telling me about, uh, and I said to him, oh my God, you did your own psychodrama. He's telling me about uh, being in a place and looking across and being able to see it from a distance. You know, they all go up in a plane, look down, but if you... And he saw this place where he had this, uh, an experience and he went, oh my God, all of a sudden it all made sense. And it was like, yes, wow. you did your own psychodrama. Isn't that incredible? Now, is that yeah. equivalent to journaling? I know that many people look at journaling as, as, as an, a way to let it out and a way to really look at it without missing any details that might have disappeared from their consciousness. Right. And it is a, it's a good way, but it's not like psychodrama. Psychodrama is, is actually having the visual experience of it as well. So you have the kinesthetic because you go into the drama, whatever it is. Uh, It can even be, you can do dream work with it, you know, and then you redo your dream. Uh there's, there's so many things, and but it's definitely you get the kinesthetic, you get the sight, the sound, maybe not the smell or the taste, but you get the sight, the sound and the kinesthetics of it. And in that way, it's just like, I remember the first time I stood out in my psychodrama years ago, and uh, it was like, oh my God, and it broke denial immediately just broke it and I could see the truth. And then one of the things, other things that I'm trained in is um, doing reconstructions where you do a 12 hour psychodrama of someone's life. And so I was trained in that and I've done several of them. Um, And it is real theater. I mean, it's psychodrama, it's called experiential. We did experiential therapy, but it's based in psychodrama. And so when you do something like that for a 12 hour session with an individual yes. and play out their life or the, the key areas yes. of their life, what sort of transformations does one experience oh. or go through? It, it's, it's absolutely fabulous because you work with a group at that time. You do a cycle, you do a recon with a group. So you get a group of people 
together and then they choose the people to play the roles. First of all, they, they do a, a whole history of themselves and they give it to you, um, to the psychodramatist, they give it to us and we do the, uh, what are the five goals? What do you want to work on? And um, what are the most important issues? Right. What are your goals? What are your, the, the issues that you want to shift? And it's just fabulous. And the role of, so you become a, a producer. I mean, you write the script, you do it, but you have to be so flexible. So it's in and out. And a lot of times you just throw it because it's not appropriate now. So you're not going to do that scene, but you write out the entire and you schedule all the scenes You get the music, the costumes, everything and all the props are ready. It's fabulous. Wow. So it's almost like a visitation. It's a real production. It's like a visitation to the past. Yes. Well, what you do is you start with, you start with their family of choice, we call it, all the people that are there to support them so they can feel the support. That's how you begin. Here you have your supports. You can lean into that. These are the people that love you. These are the people that will tell you the truth. And then you go to where did I come from? And so then you set up their family of origin and their their history the family of history and then you start their birth and then you go through the significant thing so you have them birthed again wow and, and you do all the drama around their birth if there was anything negative if they were you know there's so you work through that you get them welcomed and then you go through school and whatever it is depending on their age and then you um, then you line up both their mother's side of the family, the, the intergenerational one, and it's a big one. And then you list out all the things that they could inherit from each one and all the things that, and then they get to pick and choose what they want. And then you celebrate who they are because they have worked through all their trauma during that and they have totally changed. And they have the goal of the psychodramatist in, in the reconstruction, the reconstruction artist is to have the group fall in love with them. So they get to experience love for the entire 12 hours yeah. and just surrounded by love. Wow, and that's it, amazing. That's and amazing. it does. And to have someone focus on you and a group focus on you for 12 hours with kindness and support and compassion, you change. That's right. That's right. You absolutely change. Yes. Yes. Now, has, now, having done this particular yes. healing modality, I would call it. Yes. Um, what are the percentages of people coming back and saying, I need another crack at this. I need to, I need to refine it more. Or do you feel like uh, once and no, most people don't come back. I had my reconstruction 27 years ago and um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do another one. I'm quite, I mean, there's, there's other things, but I, I found a center in me that and I I just healed so much and felt so grounded that I I then knew who I was 
And then all the other things I've done in the last <laughs> next 27 years um, have just added to that. Yeah. But the foundation, the very deep foundation was set in that. That's when I, I let go of, as Carolyn Meese would say, I, I, I changed from my story of woe to my wisdom. That's right. <laughs> wow. Know? That's so beautiful. Yeah you know, understanding that you then have about oneself. Now explain the seven rights. What are the seven sure. rights? Well, as Dorothy said, it begins with the first right of the child is the right to be here and to be welcomed into the world and have your spot on this world. So no matter where you are, you're standing, that spot that you're standing in on belongs to you. Mm. And to know that, that yes. you have your spot on this earth. Yes. And when this has been, when there's been trauma in this area, in the first right, when that happens, then the child, you'll notice people because trauma causes a split. And so you're, you're either really have it or you don't. And so you end up with a split that either says, my rights are the most important rights and you can hear people in the world right now. It's my right, my right, my right. And they demand their right. And then the other side is they never feel welcome. They kind of, they're very shy. They, uh, you know, they, they come into the room, you know, is it okay if I'm here? That kind of thing, because they don't feel they have a right to be here. Wow, what a complete polar opposite. Yes. Of, of, of the same right. Yes. Absolutely. And so they get it gets traumatized on the right on the wrong sex, the wrong time. You know, I was an unwanted child. I was a child of rape. You know, there's all kinds of things that, you know, mm -hmm. um, that can interfere with this particular right. Right. And the next one is uh, the right to have needs and to anticipate that they will be met, which is very different than just the right to have needs. Right. That's yeah. right. And so, and the in important, that, yeah. In that, you get the split where my needs are the most important, or I don't have any needs. I don't even know how to say that I have needs. I look after other codependency comes from here. I look after other people and deny my needs. Beautiful. What a, like, again, um, to be able to see it in the light and also to see the shadow of it. Yes. That's, that's a, that's a beautiful uh, way of explaining. Yes, you do. You, you actually do have these needs and are they being, yes. because if they're not, you're going to walk around the world. Yes. <laughs> a little Absolutely. bit yeah yeah oh my. And, you, and you can see you know when the child it starts very early when the child has to follow a routine other than their routine and so they you know they they may be hungry or they may want to sleep but they're not allowed to you know it, it's they're controlled too much it, it's very interesting how that happens the third right of the child is the right to be separate and still be loved. 
Okay, so explain that one. That one's interesting. As a child, yeah. be separate because you yes. think that there's more of a dependency from a child to an adult in the young, early years. Yes, but they still have the right to be separate. It's when the little one, you know, they kind of scoot across the room and you'll see that little ones, you know, they're just, they're crawling. They can't walk yet. They're crawling and they get to the other side of the room and they're looking at their hand and then they look up and they see it's a psychodrama, the mom way over there. And they look at themselves and they see mom and they go, ah. and then if the mom jumps and runs to them right away, then they will always have to be with mom because they won't know how to separate and individuate. Right. So it's very important at the time of development. And so if the mom goes, it's, oh, yeah, there you are. You're fine. I'm over here. You're over there. You're fine. Then they don't have trauma. Beautiful. Well, isn't that funny? Because I know that just yesterday or the day before I was reading a book and they speak about animals that actually travel in groups. So they, the, the group of animals, be it a flock of birds, a herd yeah. of sheep or whatever, um, they have one spirit, the spirit acts Absolutely. as one spirit. Whereas the higher up you get, so for instance, let's just say you take a wild animal and you give them so much love, so much love, and now you've created an individual. Yes. Because of that love, they've now gone up the ladder. They've gone up the ladder, and that's why they've become more individual rather than thinking like the rest of the herd. Absolutely. And so... The other part of this development, because it continues, it's not just then. This is when like little Johnny is about nine years old and he goes over and visits his friend's house and he comes home and he says, oh, mommy, I had the best time. Johnny's mom is so nice. Oh, I love Johnny's mom. Mm -hmm. And mom says, oh, is that so? Well, if that's so, then you just go and live with Johnny's mom. Oh, my. <laughs> and you know that then they get wounded in that. Like you have to be mine and you can't have anybody else. Yes. Yes. There's a belonging there's an a, ownership, shall we say? Yes. The definitely. ownership is, is, is there's a difference between yeah. having it so the child is safe and secure yeah. with you. But then when you start thinking that that child belongs, belongs to, to you, that's right. There's, yes. The smothering, the enmeshed family. The enmeshed family is, it stops a, a, the right to be separate and still be loved. Isn't that a beautiful right? I'd love to share an offer before we get back to this episode. You can get a free meditation download and join our free monthly interactive virtual community gatherings where we discuss topics of interest to uplift, educate, and support each other in a safe, loving environment. Simply head over to salveawakener.com and join the community of like-minded, soul-driven, conscious creators that understand the changing times. 
go ahead now to saltheawakener.com. The next one is the right to have a voice and to speak your truth. Mm -hmm. Uh And this is an interesting one because the very first thing that we teach a child is their name. Uh And of course they learn to say their name and of course they're fond of their name. And of course they want to hear their name a gazillion times. Right. Right. And then it becomes sub subconscious about who they are as an individual so explain it from your work how would you use this one well the right to to have a voice and to speak your truth and so um this gets wounded in the terms of nobody wants to listen to them what they're saying they're they're you know they're weird why are you talking like that you have to this is the truth of the world this is the truth of our religion, our family, the values of our country, whatever. And so how do you speak your truth? Like you say, I'm, I'm really scared. Why are you scared? What are you afraid of? You know, it gets wounded when it gets shut off and I'm not heard. When a child is not heard. Well, this is interesting because this is something more of, you know, my mother's generation don't speak yes. until you're spoken to. Right. Right? That's right. So so that's an interesting one. Now, how do you, what do you make of, like, I mean, it's in, interesting because the old way of parenting was that, you know, a parent would just look across the room yeah. and look at you in such a manner that you knew <laughs> I'm doing something. <laughs> I, I'm guilty of something. I don't know what I did, but whatever it is. But then I see that some parents are doing that as well. Yeah. They're, they're doing that look across the room. Now, would that be a wounding in the child at a later stage in their life? Probably. It depends, you know. And if they're not heard and they're not valued for speaking their truth, because their truth might be, I don't like grandma. I don't want to kiss her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is that honored or not? And then that's an interesting one because... They stuff it. Yes. They yeah. have to stuff. They can't say, oh, I can't say that. Why are you saying that? You shouldn't say that. And so then you get people who, you know, you say, well, where would you like to go for dinner? Oh, it doesn't matter. What movie would you like to see? It doesn't matter. And then they, they follow whatever the group, whatever the group belief is, and they follow that, but they never check in. They don't, they've lost their connection to their own truth. Isn't that so? And that's why they say that you're a free and sovereign being. You lose your sovereignty from the parents. Yes. Is and the school. And, and the, school the society. Yes. And the environment. Yeah. Yep. But it starts even younger before they even get to the school, before That's right. the, all the rest of it. It really That's is right. at the early stages that you can yeah. actually look at that. The voice. And so, yeah, you get people that they speak and they speak and no one else speaks. And they just, they just go on and on and on and on and on. And it's like their truth is the most important truth. There's a lot of that going on in the world now. 
you know, my truth is the most important truth. Your truth didn't, and the separation about whose truth is right. My truth is right, but yours isn't. Now, do you feel that that truth uh, and and this going on and on and on and about, you know, on on and on yeah. and on about me, my truth, my, yeah. me, my, me, my, I, all of that, is that stemming from someone who was disempowered at some point in their life? Yeah. Well, it's probably, probably the, on both the first, second and third, and now the fourth truth has been violated. So it just comes out with the demands of their rights. And, oh, and, wow. and so what is the fourth truth? <laughs> <laughs> the right to a voice and to speak your truth. Yeah. Wow. So these, these build on each other, like they all, they support one another. So if you get wounding in all of them, you can imagine what's coming up next. Yes. So number five is the right to autonomy with support. It's mm -hmm. with support. So you can have autonomy, yes. but you may not have support. And so that's like little Johnny again. He's at the dinner table with everyone and the family and he says, and they're all doctors or lawyers and they're all well-educated or they're, you know, they're policemen. They go down, you know. Um, <laughs> and he says, when I grow up, I want to be a garbage man. I love the garbage man. I love the garbage truck. I love going. And they go, oh. <laughs> no. You know, if you belong in this family, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a priest, you're going to be a, you know, fireman, whatever. Yes. And so they can't have their own autonomy. Yeah. And so, and, and, and with support, they won't, the family won't support them. I remember my, my daughter's, one of her boyfriends, he desperately, his desire was to be a pilot. Mm -hmm. And I totally supported him. I know if that's your truth, that was the thing that I had with my daughter. Whatever it is, you have to follow your heart. You have to speak your truth and follow your heart. And so he and his father would have nothing to do with it. And he had to go into business and go to McGill University. Oh. And he has been unhappy in his business career ever since. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And it's, and I just thought, why not? Why do you have to, you know, why can't he just be who he, you know, do what he wants to do? Well, because then our, our, our saboteurs kick in and the yes. judgment kicks in and it's all about, it's yeah. also, you know, putting, putting everyone into fine little boxes. boxes. Yeah. Yes. That's not the way life is. And so you'll find people that like him, you know, do in order to keep the family support, lose their autonomy, or they have to, in order to have autonomy, they have to separate and they don't have the family support right. or the cultural support. No. And I find that they become very refined very quickly because they're having to really do something which is very difficult it's huge and they become a completely different and very powerful individual 
you know? Yeah. Wow. And lonely. And lonely. lonely. There's a part of, yes, that too. As long as I think that they have a strong network around them, but yeah. Yes, that can, yeah. Then that can support, but there's always that deep wounding of the, when a family turns and does not support, it hits deep for most people. Mm. Mm. And then the sixth right of the child is the right to sexuality and to lead a passionate life. And so you find that this gets wounded. The wounding happens when, you know, they're the wrong sex or the wounding happens when they're um, actually a violation of privacy. Mm. That's usually it could be someone reading the diary, not having, you know, having uh, being told about sexuality too early in their life, you know, having all kinds of, it doesn't have to be overt sexual abuse. It can be covert, very, you know, just lack of privacy, total lack of privacy. And so then you end up with people who are sexually anorexic or sexually acting out all the time or confused about their sexuality, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very confused about it. I see a lot of that today with there's, there's so many different, you know, there's kids are so confused about at times about, are they bi? Are they, what are they? There's so many different, and it's good that we have this big range now that we can accept. Okay. But I think a lot of it, a lot of things are natural confusion that kids go through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they develop and then it's like, oh, yes, okay, now I know who I am. Um, and I think sometimes we intervene with them a little too early. We need to just yes. allow them to move and just mm-hmm. take their time. That's my opinion. My truth. <laughs> no, and the thing is that, you know, in all honesty, having having grandchildren myself, yeah. I know right now, um, there are children in elementary schools have to fill in paperwork about who they are, their sexuality. I went to school here. I never filled any such thing. And even when we saw the film, (laughs) it was not introduced to us until we were probably in about grade four, grade five, or maybe even grade six. And, And it's interesting because... I don't think we had such confusion. I think we have no confusion now ever before. Yeah, we do. Because, you know, their whole puberty is when they really start to get into understanding a bit about, okay, I'm, I'm female, you know, and there's this whole thing about girls and boys. And so the girls don't, you know, there's this growth and development that happens. Ooh, I don't want to be with a, you know, with the girls because girls develop sexually long time before boys do. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. girls are more into, Oh, isn't he cute or not? You know, when they're about 10 or 11 and boys are like, Ooh, get away from me. Mm -hmm. But now they're getting introduced to sex so early. I mean, there's, we had a kid who was like, six years old that was was addicted to pornography in mm-hmm. England. Can you mm-hmm. imagine? I mean, it was just like, 
because there's so much and porn is not sexuality porn is eroticized rage that's all it is yeah. and so we're you know these kids are seeing it on their phones everyone screens everywhere bombarded and then you wonder why kids are confused and and, and the cartoons you know oh and, yeah and, and i i mean the number of times that i can I sit there and watch cartoons with them just to monitor what they're watching because yeah. they said, oh, it's just Popeye. Well, it's not just Popeye because Popeye yeah. is now saying, shut up and get lost. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh my goodness, you know, but yeah. anyways, I mean, yeah, there is mass confusion and I do believe media plays a huge part of it. I believe yeah. that our, our, um, you know, officially elected individuals have to do much more, much more in every area. And certainly you do not need to go to an elementary school student to ask them what their sexuality is because then they come home and they ask their mother, what sexuality am I? I think that tells you a lot. Maybe you're doing yes. a little too early. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Totally, totally yeah. agree. Oh. And so uh, number seven? Number seven is the right to spirituality and to follow your spiritual path. Oh, I love that one. Yes. Beautiful. Yes, you do have the right. Of course. You do you. have the right. And so it's like uh, Dorothy, the one who did these. Yes. She had, she was an Italian Catholic. She was married to a Jewish man. She had a son who was Baha'i. She had another son who was one, I can't remember. Anyway, all of them yes. were from a different following. One was Buddhist. And so they, they had, a, their, and they get together for Thanksgiving. They had all these, and they all followed everyone's ritual. Isn't that they so? respected everyone's ritual. And how beautiful is that? I know. And yet know. we can sit here and say, oh, they're so-and-so. My religion is yeah. better than so-and-so. <laughs> right. There goes the judgment again, right? Right. And so we used to work with these a lot. And, and Dorothy always said that the one that that hurts the most and it does the most damage if someone is wounded is in the seventh because if you have your right to spirituality you can pretty well manifest you know maneuver around these other ones and stay together but if you don't and you have all these uh, you know even two or three of them and you lose the right to your spirituality most people that's when they crash Yes, because of beliefs. That's when they suicide. Yeah, they yeah. don't have the they don't have the depth of meaning because your spirituality gives you your meaning in life. That's right, your foundation. So yes. definitely, wow. Yeah. Well, we're we're here at an end. We're already oh <laughs> thirty minutes, believe it or not. But I could go on for another thirty minutes very easily. But uh, so. In case there are um, people that are listening to this and they want to get a hold of you, Paulette, how can they get a hold of you? And I know that uh, we still needed to touch on some of your other work. Uh, so quickly, uh, where would they get a hold of you? They could they go to paulettethomason.com. 
and that's P-A-U-L-E-T-T-E-T-O-M-A-S-S-O-N.com. Beautiful. And the other work that you're doing very quickly, if I may, um, I know that you work and do incredible, incredible work with uh, dealing with sexuality. And then you've written yeah. a book. If you could just touch on that one. I wrote, I wrote a book um, called Sensuous and Sultry Sex is for the Courageous. Ooh. And I, I threw this little book together because uh, a client who was angry with me one day said, what right do you have to charge all this money? You haven't even written a book. And I went, oh, that's right. So I went home and I wrote the book and I did it in an afternoon. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. There's your credibility. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, it's on Amazon and it's uh, it needs to be, you know, redone. I just threw it out as quickly as possible. And um, so it looks at uh it just has a whole lot of questions. It's a, it's a quite a good little book, actually. It's Beautiful. for heterosexuals. It's not for gays or, but they could answer the questions, you know. But it's, uh, I just threw it out there. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you. We will have you back again in this season. And of course, um, we've got much to talk about. So, I just want to go ahead and thank the listening audience for for tuning in again. And yes. if there is anyone out there that is that you feel uh, as a listener that you feel that you'd love to have on the show, uh, please send me an email and I definitely will try my utmost best. We're always looking for the next person to interview. If you found value, I'm sure other people will find value as well. Thank you again. And until next time, I'm Sal Buller, your host of Awaken with Sal. Thank you all for joining us today by sharing your time, sharing your love, and most important, your energetic presence, your unique vibrational signature. What a gift and an honor to have you join us. Notice what has shifted or stood out for you today and know that you are a sacred being, a co-creator on an incredible soulful journey. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is released. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. The more reviews and shares we get, the more people we can reach and you never know how an episode will shift someone's life. Once again, thanks so much for listening and have an incredible day.